Lord, in this moment, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We want to hear what you will say to us. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. That in all things, we might honor and glorify the name Jesus the Christ. For in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, Let me invite you to hear this word of the Lord that comes to us from Luke chapter 19. It goes like this. While they were listening to this, Jesus went on to tell them a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your miner has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a few small, in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your miner has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your miner. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take what you did not put You take what you did not put in and reap what you do not sow. His master replied, I'll judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his minor away from him and give it to the one who has ten minors. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. There are more than a few dates that shall long live in our memories. One of those dates is December 27, 2020. On that date, something happened That almost never happens. Now let me offer a disclaimer here. 
For those of you who may not be much interested in basketball, the next few minutes may seem like a bit of a waste of time. My apologies in advance. On December 27, 2020, the Dallas Mavericks visited the Los Angeles Clippers to play their third game of the season. Now, in their first game against the Phoenix Suns, the Mavericks lost by four points. In the second game, they lost by 23 points to the Los Angeles Lakers. The season was off to a not-so-promising not start. And now they prepare to face one of the best teams in the league. The Los Angeles Clippers are one of the favorites to win the championship this season. They are a really good team. Most experts believe that the Mavericks would put up a good, strong fight against the Los Angeles Clippers, but that finally they would lose. Well, by halftime, the Mavericks were ahead by a score of 77 to 27. Now, even with my bad math skills, I can see that that's 50 points. A couple of times in the second half, the Clippers reduced that deficit to 40 points, and the Mavericks, on a couple of occasions, pushed the lead ahead to as many as 57 points. But in the end, the Mavericks won the game by 50, 51 points. I'm not sure which one of those is 51 to you. 51 points. Now, it's not unusual for professional basketball teams to lose games. It's not unusual for professional basketball teams to lose games by large margins. But 51 points, that's very unusual. It just doesn't happen. In the history of the NBA, more than 50,000 games have been played. Only a handful of those 50,000 games, about 41, have been decided by 50 points or more. That's 0.0008%. I, I can't do that kind of math. You just have to get your calculator and t do that on your own. It's not much. Well, by now you're probably wondering what all this, all this talk about the NBA and 51-point losses has to do with anything. Well, if, if, you, if you can hang with me just a little bit, I promise, I promise to get there. What do you do? What do you do if you're the coach of one of these teams that loses by a 51-point margin? What do you do after this game on December 28th if you're the coach of the Clippers? You study, you examine, you evaluate. Could we have called different plays? Should we have used a different defensive scheme? Did we wait too long to take take certain players out and put other players in? These are the sort of questions that coaches ask after any loss. But in the case of a huge loss like this one, the larger question in the coach's mind and the minds of many others is this. Where was the effort? Did the team stop trying hard? Did our team give up? Did the team resign itself to a loss and so stopped giving 100%? Now, I've got to say here 
that I was quite pleased with the outcome of that game, being the Mavericks fan that I am. But it seems to me that there is a lesson for the church in this. I wonder about us Christ followers, whether we are sometimes, maybe too often, like a team that when things get difficult or confusing or too hard, we decide that it's no use to give our all. I wonder whether sometimes when doing the work of Christ gets uncomfortable, we decide that we would rather be comfortable and stop giving our best. I think that sometimes we fail to give Christ our 100% because we're inconvenienced or made uncomfortable or the cost to give that 100% seems too much to pay. Or we fear that if we give our all and things still don't turn out well, we will be judged harshly. Our scripture text for today is a parable Jesus told with two notable storylines. Now, scholars debate, scholars debate whether there are, in fact, two different parables here that have been com- combined into the present form. That's not really so much of a concern for us today. One of the storylines deals with a nobleman who goes away to receive the title of king. The other storyline is about this same nobleman before he goes to receive his title, giving money, minors they're called, to ten of his servants and instructing them to do business with the minors until he returns. Now, one minor in that day was worth about three months' wages. It was a lot of money. It's this part of the parable I'd like us to explore in the next, oh, 42, 57 minutes or so. Let the church say amen. Now, it could be said that this soon-to-be king is most concerned with, with what is uh, profitable for his business. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back, as the NIV translates it. Seems to me that this nobleman, like most business people, wanted to increase his profit margin. So he, he instructed those who worked for him to get busy trading or investing or in some way using the money he had given them in order to turn a profit. This surely is one way to look at this text. But I wonder if if something else might be going on here. What if this soon-to-be king is really interested in finding out which of his servants he can really count on? What if he's really trying to learn which of his servants will be faithful to him in everything? What if he's really trying to discover which of his servants he can trust to give 100% effort, even when he isn't watching them or standing over them or micromanaging them? Was he trying to learn which of these servants was fully committed to his kingdom and purpose? Is he trying to understand who among his servants will remain unshakably dedicated to the mission till the end? I think maybe. And I think this is the word the Lord has for us today. Like those ten servants, we who follow Christ have been entrusted with the work of God's kingdom. 
we have been called to carry on his mission. Christ has given us the responsibility of continuing his work until he returns. The Lord expects us, you and me, to use the resources he has given us to advance and grow his kingdom. And make, make no mistake, when we use the resources and gifts the Lord has given us, the kingdom will grow. I want, I want to be clear with you about what I think this text is saying to us today. It can be easy to get caught up in the growth of the kingdom aspect of this. In the parable, we see that those who put their money to work actually increased the value of the kingdom. There was growth. But, but as important as that growth is, I'm not convinced that's what Jesus is most interested in. I think that Jesus is most interested in servants who will always give 100% effort. Jesus is looking for followers who will always give their all, their best. Jesus is eager to have disciples whose commitment is such that if they lose the game by 51 points, no one, no one will be able to question their effort. No one will be able to say they didn't give their all. No one will be able to say they quit on the team. Pastor Didi explained to me in asking me to be here today that, that you are currently in, in a sermon series considering the new normal. What is this new normal? What does it mean for us as Christ followers? What are we the disciples of Christ, to do in this different and challenging time? What are followers of Christ to do when faced with a world where people will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear, just to suit their own desires, as Second Timothy puts it? What are disciples to do when the voices of those who preach hate and distrust and disunity seem to be heard above all the other voices. What's the church to do when the culture insists that some people matter and other people don't? What are we to do when some people believe that they can do whatever pleases them, no matter how much it hurts other people or damages relationships or causes pain? What are we to do? In a culture when it becomes normal and acceptable to bend and twist the truth to suit your own interests, desires, and purposes. Well, I believe that we followers of Christ are to do in this new normal the same thing we have always been called to do. In this new normal, we must do what the church has always been asked to do. Perhaps now more than ever, we must give our full effort to the work that Christ has entrusted in our hands. We must practice daily what the scripture teaches. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. We must resist every temptation to respond to evil with evil. Martin Luther King Jr. understood this. 
and his work to bring freedom and equality for black people during the civil rights movement of the 1950s and the 1960s, he concluded that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot, cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Martin Luther King learned this from Jesus. And we can note, Dr. King gave 100% effort to living out this principle in his daily walk. Even though he was inconvenienced, made to be uncomfortable, beaten, stabbed, abused, and finally assassinated, Martin Luther King gave 100% effort to loving others. To love Christ as Christ, to love others as Christ has loved us is always our new normal. In this new normal, we who follow Christ must redouble our efforts to tell the Jesus story. Yes, the Jesus story. If our world ever needed to hear this story about this somebody who loves everybody, it's now. We've got to give our full effort in preaching the gospel. We've got to use all our strength and energy to proclaim to the world that there is one who offers salvation and peace and meaning and purpose. That there is one who can satisfy the longings of our hearts. That there is one who can and will give us joy and abundant life. We must not allow fear to keep us from telling the story of Jesus. We must not allow ourselves to become so comfortable that we stop telling the story of Jesus. We must not feel so entitled to convenience and our rights that getting what we want and desire and need becomes more important than telling the story of Jesus. We must be fully committed and totally sold out to tell the story when people want to hear it and when people don't want to hear it. We've got to tell the story of Jesus when life is going well, when it's going well for us, and when life is crazy all around us. We've got to tell the story of Jesus, y'all, with all our might, like our lives depend on it. God help us if we are ever satisfied with giving anything less than our best for Christ. This is the minor we have been entrusted with. In this new normal, disciples of Christ must always be willing to stand for the right. That's where Jesus stands. Of course, standing for the right thing, standing with Jesus, it's costly. Standing for the right, standing for the right thing might mean losing our friends. Standing firmly with Jesus might put our family relationships at risk. Boldly standing with Jesus for what is right might mean going against the prevailing culture, damaging our reputation in the community, having people turn against us. I'm reminded of something else Martin Luther King Jr. said. The time is always right to do what is right. It's right for the people of God to stand for truth 
and justice and peace. It's right for the followers of Christ both to treat all people with courtesy, dignity, and respect, and also to insist that all people are treated this way. In this new normal of ours, we are called to give our very best effort, even when it seems that effort is making no difference. Well, I could go on. But I hope you get the point. In this time when the world is changing ever so quickly, when every day is a new and different challenge, the church, that's you and me, our duty, our duty and responsibility is the same. Give the Lord our best 100% every day. When we do this, we'll be amazed at how God will grow his kingdom. You giving Christ your best effort? Will you? I pray that we all will. By the way, after the Los Angeles Clippers lost to the Mavericks by 51 points, they won their next two games by an average of 23 points. It seems that they solved their effort problem. May we go and do likewise. And when the Lord returns, may he consider the effort we have given to preach and love and forgive and stand for right and truth. May he consider us and say, well done, good and faithful servants. Well done. Amen.